millions of Planet Fitness members are defeating low energy and finding their big fitness energy. And right now, you can join them for just $1 down and $10 a month. That's so nice, I think I'll say it twice. You can join Planet Fitness for $1 down and $10 a month. No commitment. Cancel any time. What a deal! Join the judgment-free zone today and enjoy tons of equipment in a clean and spacious club. $1 down, $10 a month, no commitment, cancel any time. Deal ends Wednesday, April 5th. See Home Club for details. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Millions of despairing men, women, and little children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. Produced by a nuclear exchange would be carried by wind and water and soil and sea the far corners of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's one small step for man, but giant leap for mankind. We're not saying that planet Earth is coming to an end. We're saying that planet Earth is about to be refurbished, spaded under, and have another chance to serve as a garden for another civilization. Most of the people in here are just your reflections. They're your mistakes. 1776 will commence again if we try to take our firearms. One million planets, eight million species are threatened. You are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Your lives and the credibility of the United Nations is at stake. I'm saying you so. The reason this is such an interesting time is not only because we're on the threshold of the end of this civilization. They're trying to take you out with bullshit. The experience of the past two years has proven beyond doubt that no nation can appease the Nazi. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress, the hate of men who will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people, and so long as men die, liberty will never perish. In the language of the U.S. Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people who like to know what's going on. Uh, there's very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone. This is the Garden of Doom. Welcome everyone into Garden of Doom. And we are coming off the heels of the show with Luke Michael Ironside, where we talked about the roots of linguistics and the theosophical seven root cultures of which we are in the fifth at the moment and we are those fifth uh in that we talked about atlantis mostly luke and so we are following up on that this week with our first six time six time six time guest chris sams who just overtook i think uh luke and maybe some others uh, as uh, being one of the fifth so and by the way that's not an allusion to 666 the number of the beast that that's not necessarily tied to this. I don't know yet because Chris did the work, but Chris, welcome into the, into the show and thank you for being our, our guest on Atlantis. 
Thanks a lot, Jeff. Yeah, I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm very happy to be back. I'm happy to be the the first six time guest. Um, also, always happy to be first. Always happy to be you know the number one, the 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 person who's been on the most, and and you know that kind of means that I I own the show a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I wanted to say too, I, uh, I think the intro is actually new since the last time I was on. I love the intro, by the way, that's fantastic. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm super excited to be here and to talk to you about, uh, the lost city, the myth, uh, what exactly is Atlantis and we'll get into it today and I'm excited to talk to you about it. Yeah. On the concept of six for a while, maybe it was, maybe it was the sixth continent. We don't, you know, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, now, for those of you who are saying, hey, the most recent show I listened to wasn't the one on the root culture. So that was two shows ago. And you, listener, dear listener, you're correct. Because I, I'm putting Garden Views on a mini hiatus, not because I don't love it and want it. It's because I have over-recorded Garden of Doom. So I need to start dropping some midweek ones. So while it's going to have the same title and the the, numer the numeration is going to be consistent, uh, it, it's, it's our weekend shows, which will be following this next week we're going to have a show on tartaria which is already recorded and you don't want to miss it um and and uh, we have an atlantean in the back we sorry children okay we've had children we've had dogs we've had cats we've had birds interrupt the show. it's not an issue I'm, I'm just waiting for aliens and what's closer to an alien than a child so very little Exactly. So I, I believe that probably technically the most recent show you would have heard, because of course, every one of you listens to every single show would have been the, the Meta Trek show, which is also was pretty cool. So anyway, with, with no further ado, Chris, please talk to us a little bit. Introduce us to the continent or the city of Atlantis. Okay, well, this is a this is definitely something that I've I've thought about quite a bit. So Atlantis is such a huge um, idea. It's it's become so culturally relevant, especially in the last hundred years or so. But even before then, it was sort of a consistent question by a lot of um, high-minded type people. What was Atlantis? Did Atlantis really exist? Is it a myth? Is it an allegory? Is it is it a, a real life ancient city? Is it something that's is it something that's a depiction of a city that once was, that we still know of, that we have the remnants of? Or is it something that truly and utterly sank into the ocean at one point? So the best place to start is probably where we get our, our history of Atlantis from. And that is, of course, from the writings of Plato. Now, for those of you who are unaware of Plato, um, Plato was sort of the the main man in charge of philosophy in Greece after uh, after his after his teacher Socrates, um, and when we read Plato's work, oftentimes the way that it the way that he wrote was that he would write things in the form of a conversation. Um, most of Plato's works uh, are a conversation between two people. And they talk about something and Plato tries to sort of ruminate on what actually existed or what was true. Generally, in Plato's works, the person who is correct takes the form of being Socrates. So Socrates having a conversation with someone, whatever Socrates said was generally right because Plato loved Socrates very much. <clears throat> now, the stories where we get the, the story of Atlantis from um, were the... Timaeus and the Critias. Um, just one second, Jeff. 
with a small alien invasion going on, folks. Don't worry. It sounds like it's settled. Sorry. Um, get back to... I'm sorry about that, children. Uh, the Timaeus and the Critias are the two um, books uh, which Plato wrote. And basically his story is that he heard from a man named Solon, who was who was a real man in Greece around the time of Plato. This is a real person, an actual human being, a statesman of, of the Greek Empire. Folks, I'm going to vamp a little bit while he's uh, trying to resolve something at home. Uh, because, as you know, my editor isn't around to edit out any pauses, and I don't want to play the show next week. So, bear with us. Here we go. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. Super unprofessional, and I apologize. Um, anyway. We're hobbyists. <laughs> anyway, uh, Solon, who was a Greek statesman, and um, he almost unquestionably did actually visit Greek, uh, Egypt. Um you know, as a as a Greek statesman, he was visiting Egypt on a on a professional, basically level. And when he returned, he said that the Egyptians told him a story. Now, basically, um, what the Egyptians said to him was that um, although Athens was a beautiful city, that they 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 lacked so much information that they didn't even know their own history as well as the Egyptians knew the Atlant the the uh, the history of Athens. And so they told them this story. And basically, the idea of the story is that there was this island um, that, you know, resolved, as they said, beyond the pillars of Hercules. Um, and um, it was an ancient naval power and that the proto-Athenians uh, uh, essentially fought off an invasion by the, this Atlantean empire who had come to, you know, take over and rule and with an iron fist, etc., um, I'm going to quote from, uh, from the Critias here. And, uh, this is this, so this is basically the, the, uh, the Egyptian, uh, wise men or, uh, philosophers, statesmen speaking to Solon for it is related in our records how once upon a time, your state stayed the course of a mighty host, which starting from a distant point in the Atlantic ocean was insolently advancing to attack the whole of Europe and Asia to boot. For the ocean, there was at that time navig navigable. For in front of the mouth, which you Greeks call, as you say, the pillars of Hercules, there lay an island, which was larger than Libya and Asia put together. And it was possible for the traveler that at that time to cross, uh, to cross from it to the other islands and from the islands to the whole of the continent over against them, which encompassed that veritable ocean. For all that which we have here, lying within the mouth of which we speak, is evidently a, a, a haven having a narrow entrance, but that yonder is a real ocean, and the land surrounding it may most rightly be called, in the fullest and truest sense, a continent. Now, in this island of Atlantis, there existed a confederation of kings of great and marvelous power, which held sway over all the island, and over many other islands also, and part of the continent. So... <clears throat> Basically, we're told that there was this uh, continent beyond the Pillars of Hercules. Now, the Pillars of Hercules, of course, are the Strait of Gibraltar, uh, or that is what we now understand that me that saying to mean. Again, one of the things that you have to sort of be careful of when you're talking about uh, historical records from 
many, many years ago, you know, thousands of years ago, is that things that we now understand to have meaning might have different meaning. For instance, um, I remember being told about that, uh, that the flood of Noah, you know, for instance, we can talk about that a little bit too, because, hey, flood myths and Atlantis, it all kind of mixes together, doesn't it? <clears throat> but for instance, the idea that uh, uh, the rains fell for 40 days and 40 nights, or that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, but the term 40 days and 40 nights, 3000 years ago, didn't mean an actual length of days. It meant a long time. 40 days and 40 nights was basically their version of saying, you know, it rained a while, um, or he fasted for a long time. That basically becomes 40 days and 40 nights in the biblical text. So likewise, we now understand the pillars of Hercules to be the Strait of Gibraltar, but it might not necessarily have been that, which will come into play later as we talk about where Atlantis may be or may have been. Um, so the story goes that Atlantis, which, uh, was this powerful Island had become wicked as a result of, uh, basically that the things there were so easy for them and they were so readily able to dominate everyone around them that, um, that they became wicked and the, uh, the, the, you know, sort of Spartan-esque, uh, at, you know, uh, um, uh, Athenians uh, were able to, you know, uh, defeat them and throw them off because they were they were so Spartan-like and good. Um, and in this, you can sort of see the beginnings of why people might think of Atlantis as an allegory, right? Because you can see that it's this this allegory for. Um, you know, the pride of nations and how that can bring you down and can be part of the downfall, etc. Now, the story basically goes that Atlantis sends this naval fleet to attack Europe and Asia and Africa and to basically take over the world and that they're stopped mostly by uh, the Athenians. Um, but after they go home, after they return in failure, Zeus basically sees that these people are too dangerous and he, along with the gods, uh, collapses and floods this island. Now, we have some physical descriptions of the island. Uh, they talk about how it was basically ringed by mountains, so mountains around the outside of it, and how um, the main portion of the island uh, was an oblong shape. And so there are a lot of different people who have a lot of different theories about it, but we can definitely get into like the different theories of Atlantis, but that's the basic history from Plato. Now, since then, we've gotten a lot of different things that people have said, you know, well, what, what about, what about this? And, oh, Atlantis must have been this hugely advanced civilization. And while the story from Plato is that they were advanced, that they had certain things that, you know, other places didn't have, they had, um, for instance, a mineral called orichalcum, uh, which was a, a reddish metal. Uh, basically, it was equivalent to gold for the people at the time, but it only existed um, in Atlantis, or Atlantis was the only place where they mined it, at least. So, you know, a lot of what we may hear about Atlantis doesn't come from the original text from Plato. I mean, I've se I've I've seen and heard people talk about how they oh they must have had spaceships and blah blah blah, and you're like I, there's no, there's no 
There's there's absolutely no reason to believe in any of that, uh, you know, except for the fact that it's a really cool story and it might be fun to talk about on the Garden of Doom. But, you know, in terms of actual the, the historical record, there's no reason to believe that anyone at the time believed that that was even possible. So but that's the basic story of Atlantis. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we've touched on Atlantis before on Garden of Doom. Obviously, it's 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 inevitable. But this is actually the first proper show. And I've, I've tried to correct this a couple of times. This season, like we did a, a Bigfoot show a, a few weeks back that I called a proper Bigfoot show, and I'm probably going to call this a proper Atlanta show, um, which it, it's just bizarre to me that I'm first getting around to it. But I've, <laughs> I've sort of been sidetracked by the, the, the strangeness of success and in, in booking like, you know, sort of like professional guests that I didn't think <laughs> that I'd, I'd get to. And I, I mean, I figured I'd just be interviewing some of my interesting friends for a while and, mm. and, and the show would run its course, but it, it's not, that's not even close to what's happening. Um, so yeah, there, so, you know, we've, we've heard that it was a city that looked like Carthage. We, we've all seen the eye of Mauritania the, or the recat structure, um, you know, in, in sort of, well, what is now Mauritania, but, northwestern africa uh which you can actually see it from space it looks like a giant like someone took a phillips head screwdriver into the earth and it really looks like a giant quarry basically but it's i believe it's like 25 miles in diameter so uh, you know explain to me who can make that quarry and science have they have an explanation for it but it it sounds really weird but lots of things are really weird basically they think that like an asteroid or something embedded like made its way into the the core of the earth at some point there and that that's what that's the scar that was left I, you know you know i i don't know how convinced of that i am but what do i know there's the myth that that's where hurricanes come from uh and they they follow the uh atlantic route into the into the caribbean and and so forth and so on i have heard the story that atlantis is not in the atlantic at all it's actually on the other side of Basically, Chile and Peru. After you know, below there's a, a word "atlan" um, that sort of means like uh, west of the Andes or some, something like that. In I think in Cusco, I think or Cuenca. Anyway, one, one of one of the old languages there. So yeah, we, we've heard all that. But you're right. I mean, if you if you listen to the Plato or pay attention to the Plato story, it's much closer than the than the like the thirteen colonies thrusting off the British Empire than, you know, the movie Independence Day, where yeah. <laughs> the nations of the world united against, you know, much superior forces and 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 thrust them off. Though that would be tons of fun, but you know, it's it's not like the Vedic, you know, Mahabharata and the the Vinayas and, you know, even if you want to look into some of the biblical things with like the 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 the, the uh, horn and then the the Jericho and tearing down the walls and the Ark of the Covenant being, you know, sort of weaponized and, you know, stuff, you know, stuff like that. They're, they're, they seem much more, you know, if you want to look for advanced technology, there's probably more there. But, yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm sort of all over the place, of course, because Atlantis pops up all over the place. It's like mm -hmm. become the answer to everything. Like, you know, and if it's not Atlantis, it's the Phoenicians. And if it's not yeah. the Phoenicians, it's the Minoans. And if it's not them, it's back to Atlantis. And then, of course, there's the other, you know, uh, favorite mythological nations that sort of come into fad and Tartaria is one of them uh, that it's like sort of rising again Hyperborea is actually referenced in one of the Atlantean myths 
Um, I'm not exactly sure where that ties in. I've already forgotten, even though I saw it this morning. <laughs> Don't get old. Um, but yeah, uh, enough monologuing from me. Let's let's get monologues from the guest. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we can talk a little bit about archaeological evidence and stuff like that. So, first of all, one of the things that's important to remember is that uh, as Plato is retelling this story, he said um, that the Egyptian wise men said, now, again, this is the problem with this story in general, is that it's a third-hand account, and it might be a fourth-hand account or fifth-hand account, depending on how many different people originally talked to the Egyptians. Um, but the Egyptians are telling this story to Solon, who's telling this story to Plato, who's telling this story to us. So, but basically the idea is that um, these Egyptians said that this, all of this happened. So this great battle between the evil uh, Atlanteans and the noble Athenians. Um, Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives. And so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Some people might say coffee doesn't need chocolate, but you're not some people. You're a dreamer. You see the possibilities of chocolate and caramel flavors swirling together with cold brew, topped with velvety chocolate cold foam and cocoa caramel crumbles. That imagination can only be rewarded with Dunkin's new caramel chocolate cold brew. It's a cold brew dream come true. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. They say that this happened 9,000 years before uh, we're even talking. So Plato was around about 360 years before uh, the birth of Christ, right? What we know as, so so 360 BC. Um, 9,000 years before that would put, would, would, would suggest that the state of Athens, the city of Athens is 12,000 years old. Um, the city of Athens is most likely around 5,000 years old. Now that still makes it one of the oldest cities in the world. I mean, one of maybe five or six of the oldest cities on the planet. And still they're suggesting that it's not only twice that age, but more, um, it seems largely impossible that that, that that could be so. That's one thing about the the archaeological evidence is that um, that just doesn't seem to be true. Um, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that Atlantis wasn't real, though. That's a thing. Like I, I like to look at things, all things, from a perspective of I don't know the answer, but it's sure interesting to ask the questions. Um, and that's sort of my way of looking at Atlantis. Is that there are a lot of things that I can say with relative certainty probably aren't true. Um, I, I think that, you know, the Atlanteans probably weren't half Greek gods. Um, I don't think that that's real. Um, there probably wasn't an actual continent the size of Asia and Libya put together that sank into the ocean. That's, I mean, of all the things that, that could happen, um, that just seems very unlikely to me. But I mean, Again, it doesn't do mean that Atlantis the, isn't real. Do we do we know, do you know what the understanding of the Egyptians were as to the scope of Asia? 
I mean, I would assume that they're talking mostly about the Arabian Peninsula. And they were. It was. It was. It was Asia Minor is basically what they were saying. The size of Libya and Asia Minor put to put together, but that's still still very big. It's still very large. Yeah, it's basically the size of the entire European continent, maybe maybe even bigger. Yeah. So I just I don't I don't see that as as what it was. But so it, it brings up the question. It brings up the question that I think that most people really want to know or or at least want to ask. They want to discuss what is Atlantis or what was Atlantis? Was it an allegory, simply and completely an allegory for the the pride of nations and how it can bring people down? Was it? Um, an ancient lost continent was it um was it a former city-state in the mediterranean like santorini uh were the egyptians describing a battle between greek and minoan forces how close to the pillars of hercules could atlantis have been you know we know uh one of the things that people have pointed to as a good possibility is that andalusia or spain proper uh may have been what they're suggesting. We know that Andalusia, the southern part of Spain, is both before and beyond the Pillars of Hercules. So it could have been a city-state in that area. And of course, I think the the one that's the most popular right now is the Riyadh structure that you talked about, or the Eye of the Sahara. Um, and we do know that a large portion of the Sahara Desert was at one point underwater. It was, um, you know, where Lake Chad is right now, which is a relatively small lake in Africa and seems to be continually drying up. At one point, that lake was the largest lake on the planet. It was bigger than the Great Lakes. So, you know, we're talking about a gigantic area that used to be underwater that isn't anymore. And what does that mean for what could have been there, et cetera. And, you know, even in the, you know, in the stories, they talk about how um, there was basically a canal leading from the ocean to this place, and then it opened back up into water again. And so is what's being described a city, you know, based on the Riyadh structure area um, that, was part of a great lake and had they built this grand canal and again i mean this would need to have been i mean an absolute wonder of 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 architectural achievement for these people to have built a canal to the ocean from there but it's a thing that a lot of people point to and a lot of people say well it's in the right place or it's in the right area or it's in the right general this and that and oh it it mentions that there's that there's mountains to the north and there's mountains to the north of the riyadh structure and they probably were able to um have copper there you know the the history it tells of elephants and there were really elephants in mauritania and all of these things are true and i, I don't i don't say these things to just be dismissive but i mean you can point to a lot of different places on the map and say well what about this well what about this well what about this you know i mean people have said you know i've heard, I've heard people suggest that this might have been cuba this might have been like you said the americas this might have been uh england this might have been ireland and we just don't know enough about the actual history of humanity 9,000 years ago or 12,000 years ago to actually know much or have much of an idea of what happened. So right. 
the interesting part about the number is that it does fit in with the geological evidence of what's called the Younger Dryas, uh, mm-hmm. which is sort of uh, a large retreating of the of the most recent ice age. Technically, we're still in that same ice age, um, but uh, where there reasonably would have been a lot of flooding and upheaval. And in fact, there, there, there were elephants in Northern Africa. And in fact, the elephants that Hannibal used from Carthage were actually, it's, it's now an extinct uh, elephant that's not quite as, uh, as ornery as the uh, African elephant, but not quite as docile as the Indian elephant. It was something sort of in between, like a forest elephant, which of course means there were forests nearby. Uh, the, 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 the climate of the Sahara was very different now. I mean, and, and they found whale bones there. Now, those are dated around 43 million years ago. So obviously a lot was different uh, then than uh, when Carthage was around, which was probably around 2,200 years ago, some, 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 something like that. Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am familiar with Graham Hancock's work. I'm sure you are. I'm, and I, I don't dismiss it all. I enjoy it. I watch the ancient apocalypse on Netflix. I, a couple of people I know were on those shows. Um, a couple of people who are on those shows were, have been on my show. I'm currently listening to Fingerprints of the Gods, which is Graham Hancock. Um, but, you know, I've seen the Bimini Road and, uh, you know, I know that they found cities uh, like ruins of a city in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, not too far from New Orleans. And, and you know, sea levels, ocean levels were generally thought to be about three or four hundred feet lower Um even a few thousand years ago. And mm-hmm. a lot of the islands that are around now would have been much larger. It might've been easier to navigate. Um, the, the myth does state that Atlantis was the, the, it was a conglomerate or a confederation of islands. So it didn't need to be, it could have been more of a country, but I think now everything, anytime you find underground or underwater cities, people often jump to Atlantis. I don't know that they really believe it's Atlantis. I think Atlantis is just a placeholder name for, you know, any debris or anything we find underwater. And we're going to find more. I mean, the, the you know, the, 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 the world's a, a strange place, but yeah, we had Ralph Ellis on and he said Atlantis to Santorini and it was the, it was the volcano that erupted and that was the end of Atlantis. He also credited that with being the tsunami that, that, you know, uh, emptied the Red Sea and wiped out the, you know, the Egyptian army, or at least deterred them. Um, mm. So, you know, it, it, Atlantis becomes sort of the answer for everything. But I, I definitely agree with you that I don't think it was some sort of space age society. The In, in all of the myths, even the one later on, I think by Timaeus, they, they were defeated by the Amazonians, uh, which were sort of like, uh, you know, not, not like Wonder Woman, but sort of like Scythian warrior women, uh, you know, sort of in the, in the, Caspian Black Sea area, um, which is a great story, but again, it's a story of them losing a war, not not winning, not not overpowering. And you're and you're right; it's it's like more a story, the lesson that we learned from the Roman Empire, and we you know might be learning right now about the American, you know, empire if you want to call it an empire. Um, is that you know when things get too easy, you get decadent, and when you get decadent, you get you know you, you get both lazy and and hubris at the same time. Um, I know I do. So, uh, <laughs> and I am, I am the heartbeat of America, not Chevrolet. So anyway, what, what say you? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that, that's just the thing, right? Like that's one of my rules about the things that I'm interested in is that I try 
I try not to think I have the answers. I try to have the right questions um, instead. And I think that that helps me to, to not only stay grounded, but also to leave my mind open to possibilities. Because I, I want to be proven wrong if I have a thought about something. I'm, I very much enjoy the scientific method of, well, this is kind of what I think might be the case because of what I now is because of what I know at the current moment, right? Um, but if somebody wants to come along and prove me wrong, please do. Um, I would love to, I would love for somebody to come and give me more information on this so that I can be educated about something that I don't already know. For me, I think that, <clears throat> I think that there are levels to how likely the different theories of Atlantis is. The very first, and I think most likely, uh, is that we're talking about, um, an ancient city, probably not. 12,000 years old, by the way, an ancient city state um, where people may have, where there may have been a civilization of a number of different cities that were all sort of amalgamated in what would, in what would have been at the time, sort of a very early understanding of a nation. So there might've been a very early understanding of a nation, uh, you know, in an island area um, that came together, that lost wars, and that then eventually uh, just I don't think they sank into the ocean, but I think that like most other, you know, nations, they eventually floundered, splintered, and became less of less of what they were. I mean, we could very well be talking about people from Italy. We could be talking about people from Spain. We could be talking about, um, again, an early kingdom from North Africa. Um, it might be from a place where the Riyadh structure is. That might literally have been a city at one point. But um, I think that that's probably the most likely. And I think that the second most likely, you know, is probably not something sinking into the ocean, but it's probably literally just that it's an allegory. I think that that is something that's that's worth exploring and thinking about if you're going to be serious about Atlantis. Here's, here's what I would say about it. If you're very interested in Atlantis and you want to actually find the answer, uh, don't just dismiss the idea that it could just be an allegorical story. Um, it could just be something that is meant to uh, teach us the lesson of the story and not necessarily be about the actual story. But I also think that there's a very good like that there's a very good likelihood that um, you know we've talked about sea levels being different, right? And we know that at one point, while human beings were alive, uh, the space between the British Isles and mainland Europe was land. There, so there may have been settlements, there may have been cities, there may have been an early empire in a place like that. Um, there's also a suggestion that the Mediterranean Sea was at one point the Mediterranean Plain with a number of uh, lakes in between, a number of small seas um, in that area. So it, it could be a situation where people are recounting something that is that, that old. Again, this is one of the reasons why, um, why I really think that one of the, one of the saddest moments in human history is the burning of the library at Alexandria. I think that there was probably, there was probably histories in that building that go back way further than we can have any understanding of, because, you know, I like to think of it this way. E Egypt is ancient, right? But Egypt has been ancient for a very, very long time. 
even when we consider, you know, we're talking about Solon 300 years before the death of or the birth of Christ uh, being in Egypt. And we think of that as ancient Egypt. But the people in Egypt at that point already would have seen their civilization as being thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. So what kind of histories existed, um, you know, in that building uh, really is one of the 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 true, I think, tragedies of human history is that sure. we don't know. Let's give that a little perspective, because if you take the conventional thinking of when the Great Pyramids, the three pyramids of Giza were built, that was about 2,000 years before the, the time frame you're talking about. And some people put that at a much earlier age. You know, I don't know. Let's just go with the conventional for now. That's still 2,000 years before they were built, which means that somebody had to come up with the idea to build them. And they also build many other structures that, that, you know, I probably took generations to build period. So also Egypt was sort of unique in it, in that time frame, in that it was a nation there. The concept of nation really didn't exist. It was more based around cities. The, the closest thing might've been Sumeria, which was, you know, basically a, a, a confederation by force, uh, and then, you know, by accord of cities in an area. But 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 Egypt is probably the first nation that actually had a national identity. There was no Greek identity at the time. I mean, Greeks didn't call themselves Greeks. They they, they were they were Hellenic. They were, you know, Helen and and Anatolian. Now they thought every the world was Greek and to an extent their world was. Um but it's it's very it's it's really very interesting. But there's so much with Atlantis, I mean, first of all, I, I don't know if you know what the tie to Hyperborea is, uh, but if you do, that'd be swell. I I don't. I, that's something that I'm not that I'm not really aware of, to be honest with you. I, I will say one thing that I think that we might that we might uh, want to cover, um, though, if we're gonna if we're talking about Atlantis, is um, so at one point a very long time ago, it would have been considered just silly to even think that Atlantis was possible, right? A few hundred years ago, it was just considered sort of this silly thing. Okay, girls. All right. Um, stop. All right. Um, but so a very long time ago, it would have just been considered silly to even think that Atlantis could have been real. Um, and this, uh, you know, basically the reason why we no longer think that is because at the same time that it was considered just silly to think Atlantis would be real, it would have been just silly to think that Troy was an actual city. Right. Uh, and we know that basically an amateur, uh, a, a German, uh, a, a German amateur who had no uh, historical background um, in digging things up and finding things, basically uh, read from the stories of where Troy was, which at the time was considered a myth. It was considered to be not a real place. Um, ha ha, you silly German, you're going to go waste your time in the desert. Um, and he went and he basically found where the city of Troy was. Um, and it's been since basically proven that this story of this, of this city is true. Now we don't know if there were walls that were 40 feet high or there was ever a Trojan horse, etc. but we know that the city actually existed. And so because of that, there, you know, the search for Atlantis definitely exploded around a hundred years ago because, because this city was basically uncovered. And then people went, wait, if that's true, then what about Atlantis? Right. You know, and as you said, 
we know for a fact, we know that there are a number of cities around the world that have sunk, that have gone underwater. You can look at, like I've said before, the city of Dunwich, right? Um, at the time, it was about the same size as the city of London. It was the same importance. It was a huge uh, hub for the British Isles. It was a great place. Uh, and 98% of the city basically fell into the ocean, you know, in the 1200s. So we've literally seen these things happen in the history of our world that we have written history of, never mind whatever may have been in the Library of Alexandria. Well, St. Petersburg, it took them four buildings to, to have it stick up without people falling into the Baltic. But <laughs> but that's maybe a different story. Sorry, Monty Python uh, in that story. Uh, I think the Hyperborean connection is that I think the Atlanteans were descendants of the Hyperboreans, which which would also be a little bit strange if you buy into that they lost a war to the Amazonians because Hyperborea is, I believe, sort of a... A, a Scythian city, but I'm not sure if it's if it's not much further north. I, it, I've got to look into that a little bit more, or by me looking into it means I need to find someone. It's it's also, as you pointed out, it's probably wise to at least consider that it's allegory. Much of Plato's writing was allegory. Much literature is allegory. So it's completely consistent with Platonic writing for it to be allegorical. So it's it's hard to ignore that. Now, there's a lot of people figures really i should say associated with atlantis so you have, you know so atlantis i mean one of my favorite songs is donovan's atlantis and most people i was most people never heard of it i was so convinced that that it was a mandela effect on me that i had to find it and save it so i have it both on my you know itunes now apple tunes collection and and i, I saved it on my computer just to prove it exists and hopefully i'm going to play it at the end of this show successfully i mean i will play it whether it records or not successfully is a entirely another story um but they talk about surgeons keep our hearts beating they do the amazing help save lives and so can you your csl plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Everyone loves TV Dad. On the next TV Dad, presented by Progressive, TV Dad gets us through heartache. <laughs> Chin up, sport. Oh, hey, TV Dad. You know what heals all wounds? Time? <laughs> no, it's remembering the drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. But Jen still doesn't want to be with me. True. I actually saw her with your friend Brian earlier. Wait, what? Listen to your TV Dad. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Potential savings will vary. The the 12, you know, and that, that you know, the 12, you know, we've got 12 months, 12 apostles, you got... Uh, you know, you often have pantheons of, of 12, 12, 12, 12 tribes, 12 tribes that, and the 13th, 15th tribe, you got 12 zodiac signs, but there's really 13. Signs. I mean, you know, the, 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 the 12 answering to the one is, is, you know, often part of it or the 12 descending from the one, sometimes the two um, is part of it. But, you know, you've got the poet, the artist, the, the builder, the, the warrior, the, 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 this, the, that, you know, sort of, you know, and so you get into, you know, that, that, well, are they saying that everything came from, you know, this mythological white people? 
which, you know, maybe some are, but if it was in Africa, they probably weren't. If they're in the Mediterranean, yeah, that was, that's, you know, more Semitic, you know, than, uh, so it's, it's not even necessarily that, but some of the figures associated with Atlantis, I mean, probably the most famous name is Toth. Toth is often associated with Hermes, but also with Apollo, also with Osiris, um, who way back when, before he became a goat and a villain, uh, was associated with Baal, uh, before he became Baal, Belial, and Beelzebub. Um, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of those fellas originally sort of morphed into Lucifer, who then sort of morphed into our modern day construct of Satan. It's, it's never mentioned anywhere in any scripture that I'm aware of that Lucifer and Satan are one and the same. In fact, I think the only gospels that mention both of them at the same time, mention them as two of the seven princes of hell, which indicates not only is are they not one and the same, but that they answer to somebody else. If they're just princes, they're not a king. Which is, you know, you know, if you if you're a believer in that, I mean, I'd look into that a little bit more because maybe you're looking for the wrong villain. Um, but there is there is that quote, and this is sort of getting off subject. That oh ye morning star, how how you have fallen. But I mean, that was actually a comparison to how bright Lucifer was to how 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 badly the king of Babylon had fallen and Babylon in that case probably wasn't metaphor probably was Babylon was the actual Babylon yeah. Yeah. yeah Babylon was the enemy to the east and Rome was pretty much the enemy to the west I mean so when they were talking about you know bad people they were they were probably talking about various the two empires that sort of sandwiched this area that that you know weren't always exactly friendly um so Toth the Atlantean uh is one uh, and, and, you know, Toth, I, I did went, go through that sort of diatribe or monologue just sort of to indicate that the Toth to some will equate to a devil figure, while others equates to sort of like a, new, uh, a luminary, a teacher. But that sort of Atlantis is like the, these mythological teachers, like Enki was the teacher, like Apollo was the teacher, like in the Masonic lore, the Cain was the teacher and he got a bad name because he was teaching. There's there's so many myths where Prometheus gave humans knowledge that they weren't supposed to have. We have a lot of stories where gods who didn't really seem like they were all powerful gods were angry that, that humans got too far, that they built the Tower of Babel or Babel rather. And Babel was referred to in the in the Epic of Gilgamesh, you know, written twenty five hundred years, three thousand years earlier. There's a story in South America of peoples building a tower and losing language as well because the gods were angry that, 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 that the humans, that nothing would stop them. So these are archetypes. Where they come from, I don't know. Whether it's tied to Atlantis, I don't know. But these are all interesting tie-ins. And as Chris said, you can ask the questions. Probably won't get the answers in our lifetime, but it's fun to talk about. At least it's for me, and hopefully it's fun to listen to. But all of these things have to be inextricably tied into flood myths. And mm. I'll, I'll hand the baton over to you now for flood myths, but I, you know, you can't really talk about Atlantis without talking about flood myths. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, flood myths are one of the things that, I mean, 
they, they are one of they're one of a very few things that are truly universal stories. Um, basically, every culture and every civilization that exists and that we know of having existed in the past have some kind of a flood myth where um, a god or the god or their god or the king of the gods is angry and floods the world. Um, you know, these are the kinds of things that we uh, that we basically see, like I said, from essentially every single culture um, from the Aztecs to the Sumerians to the, uh, you know, the Carthaginians, the Greeks, you know, we obviously get like the most famous one being from, you know, the biblical story of Noah, right? Um, and it, it makes me wonder a number of things. So first of all, it makes me wonder, um, again, like how many Atlantises are there out there? Uh, that we may find, right? That might not be Atlantis, but might be some kind of a lost civilization that is now currently under the ocean waves, right? Um, it makes me wonder that. It makes me wonder, um, will we eventually get to the point where we have more uh, more of the places that we now know of underwater? We, we've, we've heard that it's not going to take a lot more ice cap melting for Florida, to be underwater, for instance, for Cuba to be underwater, for a number of places that we now know of and have thought of as being eternal could be underwater in the next 500 to 600 years. I mean, maybe we'll figure out some kind of a, you know, flood barrier and I hope to God we do, but, you know, until we do that, these possibilities exist that, you like know, Miami, Batman. like the Batman, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, we, you know, but we could we could conceivably, you know, have a future where Havana is underwater, you know, and or then Manhattan. or Manhattan and the Manhattan, really, in that case. <clears throat> and then and then, you know, and then what do cultures tell themselves 3000 years from now or, you know, as Solon, as Solon suggested, 12000 years from now, what what do they tell themselves about these ancient civilizations that we have a, you know, we have a vague knowledge of or a vague you know, recollection or memory of. Um, and the last thing that I sort of, that the, the last great question that I think I have when I hear about these kinds of things and the flood myths, the different places that are now underwater that weren't then, and we know that for sure. We know that the British Isles were once a physical part of mainland Europe, that there was no ocean between uh, the British Isles and Europe at one point. Um, what it makes me wonder is, what does that do to the narrative that all of all of the change in climate that we are now seeing is man-made and from you know uh, carbon footprint uh, that we that we put out? And I'm not I'm not suggesting an answer. I'm just saying it brings up a very interesting question for me of just exactly how long have we lived with climate change, and if it's from the beginning then maybe we're being a little, I think it might be a little egotistical of us to suggest that everything that is happening with the climate is because of us. Well, climates have always changed. I mean, that, that yeah. is for sure. We, we know that for sure. I mean, that, that was part of the formation of life. And obviously we were just talking about an ice age and it ending, but technically it's still not ending. I mean, we're actually in a cooling phase earthwise. The, the question is interesting. And I, don't know the answer. I know what prevailing science feels, but I don't. I, I think that the question that you just raised isn't one that needs to be 
contested what what it needs to do is to look to see if there's different solutions because uh, because if it's not a human made event or exclusively human made we may only be we may be investing in solutions that aren't true solutions or only partial solutions so is it okay for the the earth to only be uh, you know a quarter submerged versus half submerged I mean, being that most people live on coastal areas and by coastal areas, I'm not limiting that to the oceans. I mean, if if the oceans rise, so the Mississippi's going to rise, the Nile's going to rise, the Amazon's going to rise, the Yellow River is going to rise, the Danube, the Thames, you, you name it, the Volga. So, you know, even if you're inland, you probably live close to water. So, uh, you know, unless you're living at the top, you know, in, you know, Quito and in and, and La Paz or whatever, where you're. 5,000 feet up. But even then, uh, who, who are you going to trade and exchange with? I mean, there's very few places where they're completely independent and without any need for subsistence, uh, you know, that has, you know, all the things for life. So it is. Very... Well, and that's and that's that's one of the things about the flood myths. Right, Jeff, is that like the flood myths always procl- they always basically proceed um this idea that the world is irrevocably changed afterwards, yeah. right? The the flood myth, for instance, in the biblical story, basically, is that, you know, the world was wicked and that there were already these major cities and civilizations and everything, but then the flood happened. And then afterwards, humanity essentially had to rebuild. They had to start over, right? And that's exactly like, I think that, I think that that is the right question to ask of like, okay, like, the climate is changing regardless. It doesn't matter if we're here or not, the climate's going to change. I mean, we know this because we can look back at the historical record and we can see that we've had 12 to 16 ice ages on this planet. So, I mean, it's happened before where things get cold, they get warm, they get cold, they get warm, they get cold and they get warm. There seems to be this cyclical nature to to the planet earth that goes a lot, a a lot further beyond our, uh, our seasons, right. That we're, that we're aware of, or that we know of regularly. But again, like I, I, I point to the fact that they used to grow, uh, wine in great Britain and they can't anymore. Right. So things change, things, things move in a way that we can't be entirely, you know, held accountable for, but, because we know things are changing and because we know things are warming, we have to start asking ourselves the question, like you said, what is the actual solution? What, how can we actually stop this potential collapse of our society? You know, and that's, that's something that I think that we ought to be looking at. Um, but again, it raises the question of like these people who have this idea that, you know, we're to blame and it's all us. It's like, well, the history of the planet would suggest that that's not true. Um, you know, that the climate buffalo changes. Park, remember, it was, uh, it was buffalo gas. It, it was, yeah. you know, uh, basically uh, undulates, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of undulates, you know, all, you know, what, what's the proper word for a, a more polite word for a, a toot? I, I don't know. <laughs> I've already said fart, so you know what it is. Um so listen, I, I, you know, again, I don't pretend gaseous to excretions. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's the thing about that. That's one of the things about the, the idea mega of the end of the world. Create mega <laughs> well, and it's the, the, the idea of like the end of the world, right? Because that's basically like 
what Atlantis, if Atlantis is an allegory, it's an allegory for the pride of nations leading to disaster, right? And we could use that as an allegory for our current Western society, right? We're so, you know, we have become so weak because we've become so uh, well off that we're well on our way to collapse. And it might be just the same as Atlantis in that, you know, if all of the cities on the coast on the coasts are underwater, then our civilization is essentially, we will have to restart. It'll have to basically rebuild from a different, from a different level. We, you know, we won't have to go back to square one, but we might be back a few steps, which will be hard. Like that'll be really hard for us as a civilization. Um, but yeah, I, so I love I love Atlantis. Whether whether it's an actual city that we eventually find, and it's got the perfect concentric circles, and we know exactly where everything was, and there's the archaeologic, you know, the archaeologists go there and they prove without a doubt this city really was Atlantis, or if it really is just an allegory for um, you know the pride of nations. I love Atlantis. I think it's such an interesting thing to look into, and uh, yeah, I just think that anybody. Anybody can look into it. Anybody can find out more and more and more. Uh, you can pick your favorites. You know, which wh where do you think Atlantis was? Is it Andalusia? Is it you know uh, Mauritania? Is it one of the islands in the you know in the Mediterranean? Was there actually some grand island, some sixth continent out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean that's now underwater? Um, you know, you can find your own favorites to it. But at the end of the day. Um, it works very, very well as an allegory for the pride of nations and the kind of things that can happen when a people get so above their station that they believe they're invincible. It's also an easy place for everyone to come from. Giants could come from there. Merlin yeah. could come from there. And Merlin has often been associated with a Tooth-like figure, you know, the, the mysterious cleric, the Gandalf type. Um in your researching what exactly actually exists in the literature about Atlantis, have you come upon anything that's talking about, uh, you know, some sort of advanced astronomy use of sonic or vibrational technology, uh, sort of like the ability to to build megalithic structures through harnessing ley lines or telluric energies or sound? I mean, that's sort of whatever one believe not everyone but in in certain sectors that's how they explain building of megalithic structures that humans could not have possibly done it then uh and but they there's a you know that all of the pyramids around the world are not only just alignments but they're basically batteries or power structures that were helped to use to harness to you know through sound like like the uh, tr the was the horns of jericho and and like the whistles in the uh, the, the trumpet in the Andes and the, and the whistles in, in Mexico helped to build various types of pyramids and basically by using some sort of hover magnetism to, you know, put the bricks together, you know, or the other myths usually have giants doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the, the popular, like one of the more popular myths around Atlantis, one of the more interesting ones, I think, is is the this idea that um, all of the different civilizations around the world. Um, so think about the Aztecs to the to the Inca to the Egyptians. <clears throat> they, they all built uh, pyramids, right? They all built very, very um, 
very similar structures to one another. And the reason for it is because after the after Atlantis basically collapsed, the survivors scattered to the different parts of the world and they taught the people there the secrets of the pyramids and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, Guadal and the Viracocha, you know, there's everywhere you know, that somebody went. Just sure. Like and even... And even one of the reasons why I think that a lot that there are people in the world right now who I think are being a little overly sensitive about this personally, but um, there are people in the world right now who will say that the myth of Atlantis in itself is uh, a uh, is a white supremacist myth uh, because you know all, all the people believe that Atlant that the Atlanteans were white and blah 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 and the, that only white people could create these things. Um, again, as you've pointed out, they may have came from Mauritania. If they did, I am quite certain that they weren't white um but even like when you look at when you look at the aztec myth of quetzalcoatl for instance he's a great white god right like that's what they even refer to him as is this great white god who has come and will come again etc it's very it's very reminiscent of the jesus myth although it's very reminiscent of hercules and and thor and a number of other you know yeah the, the idea of the the son of the god hero, you know, who who has come before and will come again, and et cetera, et cetera. Right, and also but, white sometimes is sort of confused with bright and shining and luminescent, you know, sort of angelic. It doesn't necessarily mean Caucasian. It's a it's a light versus dark is you know does it, it isn't necessarily related to you know melanin in one skin. Now I can't dismiss it either, and I don't want to, and and I'm not saying that there aren't segments or people who are making those arguments that in that their root argument is racist. But, you know, a, a couple of years ago, the, the okay symbol was being used by white supremacist groups. And it was like, you can't use the okay symbol. That means you're racist. No, it doesn't. It means, it means that these idiots, you know, started using it and they told, exactly. we, we can't use an ancient symbol. It was basically the ohm to, for relaxation and yoga and, and finding inner peace and, and harmony with the universe. You don't you don't get to corrupt it. I mean, the the swastika has been for forever tarnished. The word Aryan has been forever tarnished. Neither one of those things has anything to do with white supremacy. Aryan is Iranic peoples from mm -hmm. from you know North and Western Asia in, into Iran and Armenia. The swastika was a symbol of life and fertility, <laughs> and it had just been usurped and and forget uh, forever perverted. So. Listen, no, no one told us better than than Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code, more famously probably by Tom Hanks in the movie of you know of the, the same name. So you know, if Tom Hanks told us it, it can't be false. But yeah, I mean, as I you know, I, I don't, I mean, I don't need to repeat, repeat myself on what you just said. Yeah, but if they were off the coast of Africa, surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every Plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Probably not you know, what you would consider classically, you know, they, they wouldn't look like Chris Helmsford who played Thor, you know, if they, if they were in the Mediterranean, they, they, they still wouldn't look like Chris Helmsford 
from Thor who, uh, you know, sorry, Chris, but you are, you know, sort of look like a beautiful prototype of what somebody <laughs> thinks of when you think of, you know, when you think of Aryan now, I mean, listen, I, I'm completely cis and what, but I mean, my Opa would have loved him right away. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, I, I, I would trace it trade places with you any any second without the money, <laughs> without the money or the role i mean yeah. <laughs> i mean I, I don't know what he'd get in return but <laughs> but that's not really my concern uh anyway yeah. so yeah I, I i totally agree with you on that but uh i sort of hijacked your point no that's okay that's fine that this is i this, one of the reasons why i love the garden of doom is because it is a conversation every time i'm on here i feel like i'm having a conversation with a friend about an interesting topic i think that that's, that's yeah that that's really what i'm doing um but you know i i feel like even when i listen to you talking to people who maybe you haven't talked to before those are the best uh episodes of the garden of doom it's when you have a conversation with someone when someone when you and someone are having a really great back and forth about you know the ideas that you have or the thoughts that you have on a subject that's very interesting and like i said atlantis is one of those and the idea that all of the people in the world who built pyramids did it under the auspices of the atlanteans is an interesting myth i think it's probably silly uh but I don't know. And that's one of the things that I love about these ancient myths and, and ideas is that I don't know. And I'm perfectly willing to say, all right, if you've got proof to show me that this is true, I want to hear it. And even if you don't, I want to hear your theories anyway, because I find them very interesting. So whether the people, you know, whether the Aztecs uh, heard about the idea of pyramids from, you know, uh, the Atlanteans or whether pyramids just happen to be a very easy thing for people to build if they want to build something that's really big um you know i guess we can we can have a conversation about that but it seems to me like if you were an ancient culture and you wanted to build something truly grand and gigantic but you wanted to ensure that it would stand and last the test of time you would build a pyramid because a pyramid you know it supports its own weight right. whereas other structures like Stonehenge, for instance, fall down. Yeah. 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 I mean, as impressive as these structures are, it is the easiest structure to build to stand up and, and remain up. It's interesting. I, I mean, it's, it, it's what you said about the Atlanteans is, is absolutely correct. But if you take out the word Atlanteans and put in the words Noah's children or the Watchers or Apollo and the Olympians or the Anunnaki and there and there are similar the tales, 13th tribe right there are similar tales in in, in the first nations tales from from the Iroquois and the, and the Sioux and the Hopi all the way down into you know, pre-Incan Andes uh, the Kosku in in what's now Ecuador uh, there's a people in Colombia the Mayan the the Aztecs I mean the Olmec were a culture. Nobody knows who they are, but you know the Aztecs said we we got here, we found the stuff, and and we don't know who the Olmecs were. Uh, and there's some strange statues there that don't look like what you think of First Nations. Now, some of them are Caucasian looking, but some of them are African looking as well. Um, Polynesians, even. Yeah, uh, and and so there is sort of this recurring story of sort of like governorships or viceroyships, if you think it's more, you know, military, where 
you have the one L and L has sort of his his governors, which aren't always him. Sometimes they're she's there. You have Athena, Isis, Inanna, Ishtar, um, you know, uh, and it's often some not the first generation of deities that are that are doing this. It's 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 usually some third or fourth generation of deity or or demigod part divine entity that's doing this. Even the time of the, the when the Bible was written, I mean, sure we all know Noah, but the people who wrote the Bible were very aware of Du Deucalion, who was Prometheus' son in I think the Bronze Age of of Greece, where uh, um, you know Zeus was disfavored with the, the uh, uh, corruption of man, and and then you know, and then uh, Prometheus' son, who Prometheus was a titan that sided with uh, with Zeus, but then famously sort of uh, brought fire to the humans and other knowledge, and then was chained to a mountain where a, a eagle or something like ate his liver every single day. But still, Zeus would ask him for advice, and he would give him good advice. I mean, very strange, very strange codependency there. Um, <laughs> but uh, and even before in the epic of Gilgamesh, I can never remember the name of the of the guy Gilgamesh was seeking, who was a king of that area, which we call Sumeria now, thousands of years before, which, you know, might be, you know, since the Epic of Gilgamesh was written about five or 6,000 years ago, thousands of years before, may well have been 11,500 years ago, but it's like Ishpaneshah something. I mean, I'm just throwing syllables around now. Um, something ridiculous. Right. Uh, or fabulous. <laughs> Um, but there, and there's similar, there's a, there's a, there's a flood myth with a, with an arc, I think more than one in, in both what we call Central America and in South America, at least, at least one. And Africa has, has, has them as well. They, they have, you know, demigod. So this is, you know, either there's something to it, whether it's divine, alien, you know, uh, 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 uh ancient race lost to time, just in, in memory, or just some sort of archetype to how people cope just sort of, you know, universally in our human consciousness, or if it's something that happened, say, 150,000 years ago uh, in the Serengeti or, or, or something, then, you know, through expansion, the, the, the root story went everywhere. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And I would love to find out the answer. I probably won't. But that's, you know, that's what got me into Garden of Doom was, literally the first few pages of Genesis, how they made zero sense to me. And everyone who told me what the Nephilim were, it didn't really seem to fit in with the wording of it. The words it said, you know, there, there, there are all these grotesque giants that they were a disgrace to, to, to God. And that's what led to the flood. Well, I'm pretty sure the God was mad at the humans, but also it also described them as the heroes of renown and the great men of old, which comes straight from the golden age or the Greek age of heroes, I believe. Um, and the heroes of old and the great men of renown don't seem like they're all grotesque giants to me, but it also said that there were giants before this time and after. And, and both these things were before the flood. So before this time was seemed like it was talking about a time before the 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 sons of god the angels took the daughters of adam um so you know anyone who's listened to this show for a long time sort of knows this origin story but if you're a new listener and there's a lot of you out there that's sort of what put me on this quest um that and some 
false belief that the land of the lost TV show from the 1970s was a lot deeper than it was. <laughs> so, uh, but Atlantis is, is that myth that it just won't die, even if it in fact did die some 11,500 years ago or, or much more recent. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely one of those, like I said, it's one of those, um, I don't know, cultural eternal myths you know there there are certain myths that we all have that every culture seems to share the the flood the lost civilization the mother myth the hero who is the son of god these things are like eternal myths from every culture that exists and a part of me wonders if it's not part of some kind of a shared mythology that we all had at one point um or if it's just if it's just eternal because these things come up for all of us right and you know listen if you are a believer in a faith you can you, i mean it's very easy to say well of course it is eternal because god that that's the that's the truth that's 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 what happened that's that's the origin story and it was my god that did it and my god is actually your god you just don't know that um <laughs> but one day you will if you believe in aliens hey it's it's aliens if you believe in the, there was an ancient culture then it was, you know, Atlantis is as good a name as any, you know, for it. But pick whatever name you want, Tartarian, Hyperborean, you know, uh, Jeff Zikistani, which is, of course, my favorite race. Um, but, yeah, it's it's one of those things. And it's it's endlessly fascinating, at least to me. And I know it is to you as well. And it takes you on other paths. So even if Atlantis is completely mythical, it takes you along paths that are totally not mythical even if they're myths they're still historical i mean the the whether the myths are true or not the fact of the myths that they exist that somebody created them that they were recorded in writing or or more impressively in oral history for so long is impressive and it does tell you a little bit about the history of of the world whether you believe that the world is six thousand years old or modern humans are eleven thousand five hundred years old but the interesting thing in the last 23 years is that we have learned that there were cities that were older than Sumeria and Egypt and Athens, or at least what looks like cities, and they were built in concentric fashions, at least the ones I found. There, they, there's some that are called tepes, T-E-P-S, and they're in Turkey. There's Gobekli Tepe. Gobekli Tepe, yeah. And now there's Karahan Tepe, or Karahan Tepe. Um, and apparently there's more. They're all over the place, and these are gigantic you know, initially the, you know, conventional wisdom was that, well, uh, Gobekli Tepe must have been just a, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, basically a, an attraction, a center where everyone agreed to come and meet, but it couldn't have been a city, but they kept finding more. And then you're like, oops, no, it wasn't an aberration that this appears to have been the norm. And I, I believe there's something called the Harapan culture, which is in the, in the Indus Valley in northern India, maybe Pakistan. Um, now, which of course, Pakistan and India were one country for a while. Um, and those cities might even be older and there are in fact cities of significant population. So, I mean, that's just in the last 20 years. And at the same time, we've discovered more, more species of homo, you know, homo sapiens that, that, you know, we, the Denisovians. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no human race. It's a human species. I mean, the, the, the whole uh, concept of races, we are, we are species of, of primate. God, I've been saying that for a very long time, Jeff. <laughs> I feel, I feel like the idea of like, you know, the, I feel like the idea of race is just sort of this, this very simple 
you know, strange obsession that we have with like the particular mutation that our ancestors happened to have happened to their skin. And I, I just, I've never quite understood why everyone seems to be so um, obsessive about it. I've, I've, I've answered this question before and I know I've, I've, I've gone on this tirade before, but I'll do it one more time just because I think I, I enjoy it, especially when we're talking about race, you know, people ask me sometimes when I meet them, especially people from outside of the country, from other places, they'll ask me, well, where are you from? And I'll say, I'm from Canada. And most people will say, you know, a lot of people will say, okay, that's, that's good. And they'll just take me as a Canadian and they'll just, they'll just file me under their brain where they have Canadians that they know, right? It's me and Jim Carrey, right? <laughs> and, but then there are other people who I, who I find to be a lot more curious who will say, okay, but what about before then? And what they mean is where, do you, where does your family come from? So we have this interest in like, where does your family come from? And I'll tell people, well, my grandparents on my mom's side are from, uh, are from Ireland. My grandparents on my father's side are from Germany. And for most people, that's enough. They go, okay. And they file me under, in their brain under the idea of, of Germans that they know, you know, me and Hitler and Irish people that they know, you know, St. Patrick and me. Right. So they, <laughs> they, they, they file me under these simple, these simple things. Right. And Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Sure. <laughs> but so for me, I, I, I'm, I'm the kind of curious person who I'm like, okay, well that's an answer, but I've gone from Canada to now Ireland and Germany. How what about if I go back further, right? So further than that, you would say that my families are Celtic and Germanic, right? Because before there was a Germany, I mean, people think of Germany as being this ancient place. The country of Germany is only like 400 years old, if that. It's not an old nation. Before that, it was a number of different nations. So you could say that I'm Germanic and Celtic if you want to go back far, right? But if you keep going back before then, right? Those people all came from somewhere. And if they all came from, you know, we've talked about this before on other, on other episodes, but you know, the current most popular idea in science is that there is such a thing as uh, the mitochondrial Eve, right? Now that's, if you trace back your roots through the female line, we can all actually find that there is one woman from central Eastern Africa uh, thousands of years ago, who was literally the ancestor of us all, right? One woman, they can, they can do this, right? That's a, that's a theory, but it is the most popular current scientific theory. If that's true, then if you keep going back from, you know, Canadian, Irish, German, Celtic, Germanic, whatever, 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 at one point, my family is from Africa, just like your family is from Africa, just like every other person on the planet's family is from Africa. So the idea of race being this super important thing that we all need to focus on and be obsessed with is just silly to me. Because if you believe in the most currently popular scientific theory, we literally are one race and one family if you go back far enough. So, Well, let me give you the garden and the doom answer, but then I'm going to give you surprisingly an optimistic answer as well. And they're both true. Because one of the best things humans have done is find ways to separate us from each other and and use that as a pretense for conflict. You know, I call hill people versus the valley people. Yeah. But on the optimistic side, we just passed 8 billion people on this planet. And I remember in my lifetime when we crossed 4 billion people. I'm not that old. I mean, I'm one of the older people in, you know, our circle of people that we know and, and cyber 
socialize with and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not like, you know, Methuselah. Um, and so despite all of our conflict and our self-created strife and all the things that we do to make each other's lives miserable, we continue to seem to uh, be fruitful uh, and, and certainly multiply. And I know people will argue with me on the fruitful part, but listen, ain't nothing perfect. But if you look at the stats, you'd see that we're actually being sort of fruitful. Um, we're all right. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're, all, we're, you know, we're all right. And that's not to say everyone's all right, but, uh, you know, on a macro level, uh, people are doing better now. I don't mean today. I mean, generally in the 21st century than we were 200 years ago, 2000 years ago, uh, things like that. I mean, yes, certain things go backwards and forwards and, and I'm not going to solve that here in the Garden of Doom. I mean, the Garden of Doom, my job is not to do that. My God is, my job is to bring you the doom. So take, take that little bit of optimism, if you will, and I don't know, shove it where the bison, you know, exhaust comes from. Chris, tell them where they can find you. Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at ChrisAms1. Uh, you can hear me talk about mostly pro wrestling, politics, and just kind of whatever comes to my mind at a certain moment. Um, I'm currently asking the question, have they arrested him yet? Because I'm very interested in when they're going to arrest this man who they seem very badly to want to arrest, but can't seem to get their act together to arrest. So um, you, you may see uh, one of my many uh, updates just being the question, have they arrested him today? Um but uh, that's just sort of a tongue-in-cheek thing for me. Um, you can also find me on the PWC Network, where I talk about pro wrestling, uh, politics. You can listen to my uh, my more political uh, uh, show that I call the uh, the Far Center, uh, where I try to talk about everything from a, as centrist a policy as I possibly can, and just talk about uh, whatever's going on in the in the in the world today. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. You can look for Chris Ams and find my beautiful, beautiful face. I have black hair and a red beard. Um, if you're looking for me and, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you can always find me on, on great shows like this. And, uh, I'm excited and looking forward to hopefully sometime in the future, becoming the, the first seven time, uh, guest of the Garden of Doom. So well, you know what the, the topic may have to be the number seven. Then I don't know. That's a, <laughs> um, in any way, in any way, I hope that you can hear me and Chris because I am playing Atlantis right now. But my experience with playing YouTube from the computer and it being recording is that as loud as it sounds to me, it will not come out at all on this recording. But I'm sure this time it'll be back out. So anyway. You know where to find me. You can find me at Icarus Fell ND, Garden Christine, Garden Hangover. Please like, subscribe, download, share, five stars, a rating. Enjoy the song. Thank you, Chris. Your time blaze uh, on its way. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. 
Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.